Hello, and welcome to the Powering Independence podcast. I'm your host, Austin Philbin, and today's episode is Work-Life Integration in the Middle of a Global Pandemic. I'm joined by three special guests, Alex Hansen, who's a Senior Vice President and Chief Compliance Officer at Dynasty Financial Partners, Jill Russo, Vice President, also on the Compliance Team, and Alyssa Kamengar, an Associate with our Finance Group. We have a very special episode today. In addition to being colleagues of mine at Dynasty, all three of my guests today have a really, really important job. One would argue and would be right, the most important job is being parents. And in today's pandemic and working remotely, it's an incredibly important topic around how do we find work-life integration in very unique circumstances. So I'm stoked to have the opportunity to speak to each of them about their experience, how they're managing uh, their home and work-life integration, and then share some some stories. Uh, hopefully there'll be a few laughs on, on today's episode. And let me start with Jill. Thanks for joining us, Jill. Really appreciate it. Could you tell me a little bit about uh, yourself and your family, just for background? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Austin. So I have two little boys. Um, they are three years old and six years old, just turned um, those ages this month. And of course, I have a husband that works as well. So I would say um, two dueling careers and often daily, there's the battle of whose conference call is more important. Great. How about Alyssa? Share a little bit about yourself and your family. Thanks, Austin. Thanks for having me. Um, So I am at home with my two boys, just like Jill. I have a three-year-old and um, a -a one-and-a-half-year-old. Also with a husband working from home, very similar circumstances as Jill, um, dueling conference calls, and of course, a whole boatload of demands um, as far as snacks and diapers and all kinds of things going on uh, throughout my (laughs) workday. Got it. So it's okay. a lot of fun. Yeah. Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. Thanks, Austin. I think I have it a little easier than Alyssa and Jill. I have one son who is six, uh, so probably a, a little bit fewer requests. Uh, my wife is uh, a wedding planner, so we're kind of in an in- interesting situation where she's going through uh, people rescheduling, you know, large drop off in business. So, um, you know, she's very busy as well. Uh, but kind of in a different way. So uh, definitely some unique challenges there, uh, but we're keeping our heads up and getting through it. Got it. And, you know, for context, I have uh, a six-month-old daughter, and uh, my wife also works for a audiovisual company uh, remotely, and she handles digital marketing. So similar scenarios, everything that's been explained thus far, you've got two parents that are that are working and uh, also have obligations of um, being able to take care of their children. I also have a son uh, who lives during the year in Newark, California, but spends a month with us in uh, St. Petersburg. And he was here for a month and, and going to camps and trying to make sure the online scheduling worked out. So just a lot going on. And l- let me start the conversation by uh, re-emphasizing that point, which is particularly in financial services, 
I believe it's it's made up of a, a lot of very successful type A people. And there is um, an extreme focus on being able to deliver results in a normalized situation. And now we're in what anyone would argue as a unnormal situation. You've got a global pandemic going on. People are required to quarantine in many states. You're at home. The school year, which is about to start and usually is a time in which children um, would be in school, obviously, creating a different scenario for parents. And all of that is has changed significantly. And there's still the expectations around being able to produce. And sometimes I think part of our industry is the fact that if we just focus on producing results, then the other components of life will, will, I guess, blend or mesh or perhaps even go away. And that just isn't the case in today's scenario. So when you think about um, everything that's going on, what are some of the biggest biggest challenges that you've had in working through this pandemic? Let, let's start with Alex. Sure. Thanks, Austin. When you, when you teed up this question, I, I thought about it quite a bit. And there are really two things that I came up with. The biggest one, the biggest two for me, I guess, are Kids don't understand context, really. You know, my six-year-old sees me home and thinks, okay, dad can do stuff or dad can play. We can go outside. And he also has no concept of time. So, okay, buddy, I've got like four more hours left of work. Okay, are you done yet? You know, so it's just a constant battle of setting expectations with him. Um, and, and, you know, you try not to get frustrated with the constant questioning because he, they're going through the same thing we are. So, you know, working on the empathy of uh, every time they ask a question or ask for something, it's they're just as confused and as stressed as we are. And then the other thing is just giving myself a break. You know, the lawn isn't mowed right now. I need to do some weeding. Um, you know, uh, dinner's not always, you know, A1, five star. Uh, but, you know, just looking around and saying, you know, what, we're, we're doing the best we can right now. We're, we're covering work, kids happy, kids healthy. We're reading books every now and again. You know, in the grand scheme of things, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, I love that. A couple, a couple additional points. The first is, is context. And I know that when we were talking uh, probably a couple weeks ago on a work-related matter, we also shared about personal life. And uh, you shared about doing a science experience or a science experiment with um with your uh, son, I think that's something that people would find interesting because it gives context to to time. And then, and secondarily, again, coming back to the point around normal, most of us, particularly ones with families, have built in a schedule that works within the framework of our professional and personal lives. And all of a sudden, that scaffolding of the structure and order has been completely eliminated. And so therefore, one, to your point, needs to have a little bit more empathy and just say, it's okay. You know what? It's okay if the dishes are left out. It's okay if there's a few more leaves in the pool. It's okay if I can't get to every single thing on my to-do list at work because this is a very unique situation and we've got to try to do the best for what we have professionally and personally, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about your science project because I thought that was really, really funny, really interesting. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Austin. Uh, so at the beginning of the pandemic, I bought a book on Amazon that was just like 50 
you know, science experiments to do at home with your kids. Uh, so he had seen a YouTube video. My son Xander had seen a YouTube video of dropping Mentos into a Coke bottle. And he thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I was like, okay, today, this Saturday, we're going to get all this stuff and we're going to do this experiment and he's going to have a blast and it's going to, you know, kill some time. You know, I'm doing my, my fatherly duties, keeping him entertained, doing a little science experiment. It took all of seven minutes from driving to 7-Eleven, getting the Coke bottle and the Mentos, coming home, going into the front yard, him dropping them in and running away. And it was over. I thought I had like two hours worth of entertainment and fun and lifelong memories. And it was literally less than an episode of a kid's show. So it was just, uh, you know, uh, not as big of a victory as I had hoped it would be. Got it. Well, effort, effort is key. How about uh, Jill? Do you want to uh, share some of the challenges that, that you've found with professional and personal uh, work-life integration during this time? Yeah, of course. So for me, I've always tried to somewhat keep everything separated um, in order to maintain the professional appearance of, oh, you know, um, the kids don't interfere with my work and I can do both and be the best at everything. Well, through the pandemic, I found like the lines are completely blurred and everything kind of just seemed to fall apart when when I look at it a different way. It's been amazing. Um, you know, I can have so much flexibility in in my time schedule. So, you know, if I need to sit and do some work later on, I can do that after the kids go to bed being at home. But then there's also more of a connection, I feel, with some of my coworkers um, and even our network partners, too. So, you know, I'll be on a call every day um, with my boss, who so happens to be Alex. But my little boys, Jack or Augie, will come running up and we've gotten to the point where it's like, oh, say hi to Alex. And it's not a big deal. And it's great to have a company and, um, you know, leaders that are so understanding of the situation. So for me, it was really kind of letting go of that guard of I've got everything under control and they're so compartmentalized. Now it's more, it seems like a family. We all understand what situations we have going on. There's increased flexibility. And I think even our network partners have opened up a little bit too about their families and We've seen that through, you know, the dynasty story time that we did in the beginning. I love that. I, I think the essence of what you're what you're talking about reminds me of a conversation that I had a long time ago when I was working in New York City at uh, City Smith Barney, and there was uh, a gentleman who eventually became one of my mentors, and we would we would both get to the office really early um you know 6:30 and stay really late and he he knew that I was like grinding it out and and focused on moving forward professionally but he also knew that perhaps the image I was portraying within the workplace was very different from the image that I was portraying at home i guess he sensed that and so I can remember him taking me into his office and just sitting me down and saying, Austin, you know, one of the things that I found in my career to be incredibly helpful is it doesn't have to be overnight, but moving closer in alignment between your, your real quote unquote self, how you act um, outside of work, and then, 
you know, the way that you portray yourself at work, because the further the distance between the two, you're always going to have this relative friction or stress in your life. And when he said it to me, I was really young, so it didn't really sink in. But as my career has gone on, I found that I become, I guess, when you look at when you categorize things as successful, I become more successful, the more that I've allowed my true self to come out and to be comfortable with with being different and not trying to profess this professional facade of perfection because it really is a facade. We're all human beings. And if there's been a silver lining to everything that we're going through, it are it is those moments where your son or your daughter comes into the screen or you know something happens while you're on a Zoom chat or you're wearing a t-shirt or Alex hasn't cut his beard uh, so he looks somewhat like a Yeti. I mean, there's a lot of really um, interesting things that have happened during the pandemic that humanizes uh, all of us, which I think is really special and hopefully continues to perpetuate even as, quote unquote, things go back to uh, the new normal. So how about you, Alyssa? What have you found to be in terms of challenges during uh, during this pandemic? Right. Well, I totally agree with what you said about sometimes trying to be two different people Um, one person at home and another at work. And at this point in my life, I probably have never felt more like two different people with young children at home, trying to balance everything there, being the best I can be. And at work, growing in my career, in my role, doing the best that I can in both scenarios, you know, the balance is really learning that, it changes every single day. What worked today is not necessarily going to work tomorrow, especially with kids who are young, just rapidly changing, need different things every single day. So it's the element of being able to accept less than perfection. And how do you do that effectively in both your professional and personal life? Right. And that's hard to do. You know, I'm still struggling to do this, Um, finding the balance and then really making time to recharge given the absence of usual coping mechanisms, you know, the lack of being able to get together closely with family or have some type of break, um, just the uncertainty of trying to make plans and not knowing where is the light at the end of the tunnel. And I can't think of in terms of when will this pandemic be over or when will this situation end? I need to get from one day to the next and not worry about what the future is going to look like in this state of new normal. I need to keep going. And sometimes that just looks a little bit different every day. Yeah, it's a really difficult concept because it's outside of our normal mindset. I, I believe that people... Um, you know, most successful people have a mental construct where they're able to design goals and milestones that they're looking to achieve. And then they work towards those. And this particular uh, scenario, because there's so much variability about when and if we will find a vaccine and we'll be able to go back to normal social gatherings. They're just, there's a lot of uncertainty and that uncertainty at times I think can cause people to freeze and to be able to struggle with like, how do I continue being as productive as possible for my employer? How do I continue 
to be, quote unquote, a good parent? And how do I give myself as a human being um, some empathy to understand that when you're balancing both of those concepts, that it's, it's impossible to be perfect in either. And what is possible is hopefully to find some acknowledgement, acceptance that this is a tough period of time and that we're doing the best that we can. If that's one thing people that listen to this can take from it is just giving yourself um, a little bit of a, of a pass from perfection and accepting that this is a unique time period and just do the best that you can. Alex, I want to come back to you because you, in your opening comments, uh, brought up something that I've heard a couple times um, from different people. And it's just this philosophy whereby children don't understand why, particularly younger children, don't understand that you're home, but you're still expected from your employer to work. And usually when you're home, it means that they're, that work is over and it's playtime or it's, it's engagement time. So one, how have you acknowledged that? And two, other than saying, you know, I've got four more hours of work, how have you tried to set boundaries uh, in order to um, hopefully help your children understand to the best of their ability? Yeah, it's, it's really been trial and error for me at this point, you know, because you, you, it's funny, you don't think about how many things kids don't understand until you try to explain something completely foreign to them. You know, I started out explaining why I had to work and how, you know, things cost money and, you know, the house costs money. And so he immediately goes and gets his piggy bank, like like he can buy some time, which is a little bit heartbreaking and makes me feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. Um, but then, you know, you try to explain, okay, well, I've got, a, you know, I'm gaining time because I don't have to commute to work. So we have more time to play after work. But he has no... Uh, I guess, guideposts for for what point in the day it is, really, because if he's not at school, you know, there's some structure, uh, but not nearly as much. So we've been having lunch together, and he knows that's about the halfway point. If I start dinner, he knows there's maybe about an hour left. Um, you know, we tr at the beginning, we tried to limit screen time and things like that, uh, threw that out the window. Uh, but really, it's been just trying to give him context for his day, you know, so when I start getting our lunches ready, uh, you know, he knows, okay, you know, about as much time as I've been, uh, as, as dad's been in his office, there's about that much time left. Um, but I'm interested to hear if anybody else has anything that's worked for them. Obviously, my son's six and, uh, you know, probably understands a little bit more now that we've been through this for a few months, but it, it's still a challenge daily to, to set his expectations. I love though, the way that you're thinking about it. Um, and at least attempting to create that context milestones. I mean, just, just things that children can understand that the day is progressing, but Alex, obviously you're talking about your son who's six years old. I also have a similar experience and it's, um, not just with, with, my son or my daughter or my wife, but my father, who is uh, 74 years old. And um, we went on a trip to the Cape and we we're sitting at this small table in the, the living room. And it was at my uncle's, uh, my uncle's cottage. And so he was trying to get the Wi-Fi set up on his computer. And while he was doing that, like I saw this whole thing, it's, it was, it, I saw the, the action about to take place. And I was on a Zoom call with one of our partners and 
you know, trying to talk through a few issues. It was a lighthearted conversation, but, you know, there's still elements of, of professionalism involved. And he just lost it. He just like a couple explicits about not being able to get the Wi-Fi. And I was like, dad, I'm talking. I'm like at work. He's like, I don't care. I don't care. Walked out. So, I mean, you know, it's not just children. It's, it's of all ages in these uh, special times. How about you, Jill? What have you done um, in terms of uh, helping your children, three and six, with um, being able to understand that um, mom's home, but part of the time while mom is home and dad's home, and part of the time while dad's home is um, at work, and then, you know, obviously there'll be time for activities. How have you done that? Well, I'd like to say I was as organized as Alex, but I am just putting out fires all day. Um, they are actually really good. I, I have found that the six-year-old is far more mature than I had realized, and he is amazingly helpful with his little brother. Um, you know, there's still, of course, times throughout the day where the little one will come up and say, I gotta go potty. But I mean, we, in the mornings, we'll have breakfast, um, you know, give them their breakfast. We'll do a few things. And I try to keep it normal, like lunchtime, it's time to eat now, we'll go and sit and eat lunch. But there's still pockets throughout the day. And I I have to tell myself, I would not be sitting at my desk for four hours straight. I'd be getting up to go get a coffee or I'd be going to do this or get a snack if I was in the office. It's okay to do those things to help them along too. Um, But I mean, there's always going to be the time with the three-year-olds, of course, where they don't get it. They're going to interrupt and just kind of rolling with it and trying to make the evenings a little bit more special. Um, You know, we'll say, okay, we'll have dinner and then we'll maybe go for a bike ride or we'll go for a walk or we'll go to, you know, my sister's house. She has a pool over there. We'll try to do things like that. Um, But I will say I, you know, things come up and it's, it's not easy. It's, I don't think it's gotten much easier but I try to look at it as um, time that I would not have had with them otherwise, because I've been, you know, in the career for so long. And of course, I've had the times when I've been on maternity leave, but then I've gone straight back into the workforce. So it's nice. It's actually nice to be able to see them, I guess, grow up a little bit more and mature and have that and have the ability to be able to work from home. I mean, there's people right now that aren't able to and don't have jobs. So I look at it, even though this is hard, there's so many other things that are, are so much harder for people to be going through and to stay grateful for what they have. That That's a incredibly important point. And one that I think about as well is that if you're listening to this and you're able to be employed and if you're in the wealth management industry and you're able to, to service your clients remotely and do the things that they need to do, I think that being grateful and understanding how special that is, is really important. And in addition to that, and I've said this before, I think it's incredibly important in these times, particularly for financial advisors, to take this opportunity with all the uncertainty in the world to let your clients know how grateful you are to be able to provide service to them. You know, and, and a simple uh, measure is just 
writing a handwritten note. It doesn't even have to be to client. Like anyone, particularly in these times, you should reach out to people with a note and tell them how important they are to your life and tell them how grateful you are to have them in your life. I think that there are lots of people that would really appreciate that, especially with everything that's going on, because it's incredibly stressful. These are incredibly, incredibly stressful times and little acts of kindness, um, I think go, go a long way and certainly go even further in today's environment. How about you, Alyssa? Um, how have you tried to, and you've got younger children, a one and a half and a three-year-old, how have you tried to create a, a scenario where there's a separation between um, being at work and then also being able to take care of uh, your children and your family? Um, how have you done that? Right. I would love to say that I have curated a routine or a schedule that works from day to day, but the truth is that is just not possible at their age. Um, there is consistency in the things that we do throughout the day and around the time that we do them. But again, they are just too young to understand the concept of time. As Alex mentioned, the fact that we have, my husband and I, have phone calls and meetings we need to attend to. We're wearing, you know, wireless earbuds, AirPods, trying to, sometimes I have found that shushing them only makes them more angry. It's interesting trying to maybe not focus so much energy on explaining to them what it is that we have to do, but trying to keep them busy in their own way. And sometimes, yes, that does involve screen time, and I'm totally okay with that. But a little bit of trial and error in just involving them in some of the, the things that I might need help with or the things that I'm doing around the house kind of just makes them feel like they're involved, makes them feel like they're doing something productive and being helpful around the house. You know, would you like to help me make my coffee? Would you like to help me put this in the dishwasher? Would you like to help me make mac and cheese? Yes, they're eating a lot of that these days. Here, <laughs> let's stir this together. Um, so things like that, just to make them feel like we are being together, even though I have several interruptions going both ways. I'm being interrupted with my from my time with them as they see it by joining meetings and, you know, sitting at my computer and getting work done. But then on the flip side, I'm also being interrupted at work by the things that they need throughout the day. So just making them feel like they're involved and important um, is really, you know, the number one thing is that they just need the attention. Um, and so sometimes even between meetings or when I have a free moment to just proactively reach out to them and sort of interrupt whatever it is that they're doing. Maybe they're playing and I want to run up and hug them and kiss them and make them feel that I am here. I am present throughout the day, even though I might be focused on another task at the time. Um, and, you know, I think I need that just as much as they do because if I sit at my computer for hours on end without, you know, looking away, I need that break to kind of, you know, set back in reality where I'm at. I'm actually at home and I have a lot of people depending on me right now. So it's, I think it works both ways. Yeah. And that, that concept 
relates to something that Jill said a few minutes ago around understanding that it's okay to get up, that you wouldn't just, if you were at work, um, likely, sit at your desk for four hours straight, that there would be times in which you're taking a break, going to get a coffee, going to speak to colleagues. The, the work from home aspect of this, I think, could have a detrimental effect around the way in which people allow themselves to have free time. And I loved what you said about having the ability or giving yourself the ability, empowering yourself, the, the, the opportunity to allow your family to know that you, even though it may be sporadic at times, that you are present, that you are aware of their presence, and that this is a unique scenario, but that you love them and you're doing the best that you can to make sure that they understand that, that you're there, not just sitting at your desk, um, but also being able to interact with them when, when time allows. The other concept that I think is important that I like to talk about is, you know, how do all of you think that this work from home, work remotely, that's been forced because of the pandemic and now the, the increased utilization of different types of technology like Zoom, uh, Google Chat, et cetera, will change the game. Like, how do you feel like, from a wealth management perspective, things may change? You know, I've been on a, a, I've been a United 1K traveler for the last seven years. And there's always going to be an element, I think, of being able to have the the connection with people within wealth management. But I also believe that this, this scenario has definitely changed some of the rules. So Alex, how do you see companies evolving um, from a technology perspective or maybe even a, a, a interpersonal perspective with, with everything that's going on with the pandemic? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I think, you know, I, I still very much value in-person uh, collaboration. You know, you get a whiteboard together, you get the right people in the room, and I feel like you can take leaps ahead versus a Zoom meeting. But it's not really an option right now. Um, so I think you're going to see technology, you know, e evolve from the video chat space to the messenger space, you know, things like Teams and Zoom, uh, to, to try to replicate that experience to the extent possible. But I think the challenge that it's going to be really hard to solve for is when you're in a room with people, your attention isn't split. There's no second screen with a message coming in. There's You're not looking at your phone for the most part. There aren't people mulling about in the backyard, you know, the, the background of your house or dogs barking or you know, sirens going by. You're, you're, you're completely present. And that's the thing that technology isn't going to fix. It's almost like it's going to have to be uh, a, a shift or a movement within professionals to, to really prioritize being present when the urge to reach for something else or, or attend to something else is, is constant when you're, when you're kind of isolated. So, um, you know, long, long answer to a pretty, pretty direct question. I think, you know, obviously the technology will keep getting better, but we aren't programmed to go off and work on our own, largely. So finding that internal motivation to really be there and really be focused on what you're doing 
is going to be paramount to continue to succeed in, you know, not only financial services, but really any professional industry. I love that answer. I'd like to dig into it a little bit because for me, the, the most impactful meetings or when I feel most fulfilled coming out of an engagement with the client is when you do have, you know, an hour or two of being fully present with an individual or a business. And, you know, gosh, one of my pet peeves is when you're sitting in a conference room and you're in it with, you know, 10 or 15 people and you look around the table and, and somebody's on, you know, 90% of the people, 80% of the people are on their phone. And, and it just feels like in today's society that that focus in intimacy and intimacy not in a in a connotation other than like the actual human to human focused conversation has been removed to some extent and people are distracted really easily. So I agree with you. Um, I know that technology will not will will put a further barrier between people being able to focus on each other. But I think that issue in general is something that that's happened, you know, quite some time ago with the advent of the cell phone or the BlackBerry and this instantaneous need to respond to something rather than being focused in a conversation. I just wonder, do you think that the pandemic has either amplified that distraction or do you think it's changed it in the opposite direction? I mean, for me, I think it's amplified it because my mentality has always been like when I'm at work, I'm at work. You know, I don't, uh, you know, the, the, the constant other obligations that you have at home, like what are we going to make for dinner? Like, Oh, I'm going to make Italian tonight. I got to start that sauce around four. Um, you know, the, I heard a noise and now it's silent. The kid did something. I need to run out there. Like that's not there when you're at work. So it's almost just the list of things that can distract you is so much longer. Uh, that compartmentalizing and focusing on work, there's just pressures from more directions. But I agree with you. You know, I, I just so happened to, to grow up in a household where I wasn't allowed to have my phone at the table. I wasn't allowed to use it during dinner. So in meetings, like unless I'm getting like SOS 911, I don't pick it up. But I do see it becoming more and more of a thing. So, you know, maybe maybe it's not unique to the pandemic. But I think people have so many other pressures. You know, you, you don't know what's what's going on in someone's life behind the scenes. You know, they're they're at work, they're on this Zoom call, but you have, you know, they could have a family member who's ill or, you know, someone who lives by themselves or is in a is in a senior's home and you can't visit them, you can only see them through a window. And just the stresses and the pressures are are so great. And, you know, we're close with our colleagues at Dynasty, but we're not necessarily all sharing personal details about our lives. So, I mean, it all circles back to empathy. And I feel like I'm rambling a little bit here, but, um, you know, this is a topic that's just so layered. You know, it's it's giving people the space to do what they need to do um, and letting them handle what they need to handle. But everybody understands that they still have these obligations to deliver to their clients, both external and internal. So it's really just doing your best. Yep. Uh, it's really what it comes down to for me. I agree. How about you, Jill? I mean, <clears throat> again, you talked about giving yourself the ability to get up and take a break and not suggesting that one should sit at their computer for for four hours. I believe that there are definitely 
situations whereby the the length of time focused on work may be augmented during this time period and as a second you know component to a question or a thought that that I'm going to leave you with is you know as we move forward into you know whatever the world the professional life looks like after this pandemic what is a more normalized situation look like should employees be evaluated based on productivity regardless of the time in which that productivity occurs or should there still be this um, feeling that you should go to an office you should spend 10 12 14 hours at the office and then go home and that is someone that's focused on task and wanting to achieve like what comes from this whole experience in your mind I definitely think that there's going to be um, a more of a desire from employees to have flexibility, whether or not that means that they're allowed to work from home or they're allowed to work different hours. Um, I think that the, the demand for flexibility will be there. I also, I'm of the mindset of, you know, work efficiently, you know, I think if you're starting to see that you're sitting at the computer for two hours doing the same task, you need to get up and reevaluate, you know, what, um, you know, just go back to just reset really. Um, I think that also just in general, even whether you're remote or you're in the office, it's important to look at the whole picture and how things are done and can they be done better and faster. Um, you know, don't just keep doing something a certain way because that's the way that it's been done. Try to innovate and change the way that things are, are, are done to, to make yourself, I guess, more efficient. And it, I guess that kind of goes back to, does it really matter if I'm sitting at my desk from 7 a.m. to 4 or does it matter if I'm in the office at 9 until 8 as long as that amount of work is being done? I mean, that's, that's how I would look at um an employee, are you getting the job done, really? Yeah, and to take those comments and you know reframe them a little bit, the other interesting byproduct of everything that's that's been going on is the, I don't know if forced is the right word, but definitely um, much faster implementation of technology that allows for things to be done on a in an electronic or a remote basis like as an example we have been working on quite a few transitions as we call them where a client will will have a prospective client that's at traditional financial institution or have their own business and they move over onto our platform and historically these transitions have required a lot of paperwork actual paper even though the ability to open accounts electronically is something that has been in existence for you know quite a decent time period. In addition to that, with technology such as DocuSign, you're able to create uh, electronic envelopes that would allow for other information that would completely um, automate the client onboarding process from a technology perspective. And then I think there's been a, a relative reluctance, not across the board, but for for a lot of different uh, firms to 
to not use that, but to stick to the standards of paperwork for whatever reason. We need to have a face-to-face meeting with the person. We need to get a wet signature, whole host of reasons. Uh, similarly, the way in which you know we interact utilizing technology like a financial planning tool or being able to present information over a meeting like, like Zoom, that technology's been there for a while. And now, because you have to use it, I think that people are beginning to realize that there's a whole bunch of utility to being able to do the job, being able to provide advice using technology that already exists. And hopefully, coming back to your, your comments around figuring out ways to do things more efficiently and being able to challenge convention, I hope that this situation kind of perpetuates that thinking so that you don't just have a scenario that's done just because that's the way it has to be, because that's the only way we've done it for 10 or 15 years, but we continue to innovate as an industry. Question for you, Alyssa, have you seen any silver linings to the pandemic? Anything you'd like to share from a positive standpoint? Yes. So silver linings, I think it's easy to say for a lot of us that have kids at home, Um, We're lucky to be able to spend this extra time with them. Um, So, you know, just taking that perspective and acknowledging that while this is very hard, what we're doing, it's also a sense of accomplishment to say that we are making it, we are doing this, we're getting through it, and we're all doing it together. Because whether you have kids or not, we're all being affected by some way, you know, the struggle of having a job or not having a job. So, you know, I've been forced to personally, you know, dig deep to find appreciation for some of the smaller things despite the struggle and really find perspective in the challenge itself. And every time we get through something difficult and we come out on the other side stronger, thinking you got through this, if you really try to frame your narrative that this can be an empowering situation, learning a lesson about what you're made of, you know, for better or for worse, and what it is that you're doing great. And when you're struggling, what it is that you can do better. And um, (laughs) I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, times like this certainly cause, I would assume, at least it it has for me, caused elements of self-reflection where, again, there's a tendency, I I believe, for people to take the self-reflection and think, you know, to Alex's earlier comment, gosh, I haven't mowed the lawn in two weeks, or, you know, my son is on the sixth hour of Roblox and Fortnite, which, by the way, he definitely is. And then you, you know, in those scenarios are trying to meet this unrealistic expectation of trying to be a perfect parent, a perfect employee, a perfect husband, a perfect wife. And the reality is that hopefully one of the things that this situation causes people to do is to to understand that this is a universal theme. There are very few things in life that can unify people the way that this experience has because everybody across the globe is going through something similar. There is a virus that is incredibly contagious that has the ability to kill people. And it doesn't matter whether you're really wealthy or whether you have nothing, 
you still have that same opportunity to be exposed to this and could potentially die. And so when you have such a unique situation, maybe one of the motivations should be to look at it and say, okay, and to use your words, to accept things, to take more appreciation for even the simple things that you do in life without just saying, oh, I made it through the day, it doesn't matter. Or to look at only major milestones as accomplishments that we should be happy about. But just to understand that having a day in which you feel productive, where you're safe, where you have enough to eat, that's a great day. That's something that you should be proud of. Definitely. And and sometimes I've learned that I can't measure my well-being and my success day to day through my productivity. Sometimes I have to look at my kids and say, they're happy, they're healthy, they're fed. So am I for the most part. <laughs> you know, it's a marathon. Some days, you know, there's certainly several sprints within there, but just being able to celebrate the achievement, sometimes no matter how small, is what can get you, you know, from one day to the next. Yeah, I love that. Jill, if you wanted to share your story. Yeah, of course. So this story brings around family and work full circle. So it was probably about um, mid-March when I got a text from my mom in the morning, and she is a nurse in New York, and she told me that her floor had gone, sorry, thinking about it, fully COVID. And I was really worried for her and for the severity of what was happening. Um, And to put it into context, every Tuesday morning, Dynasty has a call where all of the employees are on this call. Um, We're showing our video. And this particular call, actually, we were having a contest for best Christmas attire. So here I am. I'm dressed up in this Christmas tree sweatshirt. I wish I could show a picture because it was pretty funny. And Cheryl, our CEO, announced during the call that he... And the company had purchased medical grade masks for first responders, frontline workers. And before donating, um, he also offered up some of those masks to anybody that was in need of them. So as soon as he said that, I just like broke out in tears and our HR person actually saw it on the video. I switched the video off pretty quickly. Um, and he texted me. Alex, sorry, I was looking at my phone because Mason was texting me. But um, he said, are you okay? And I said, well, this is what happened this morning. I just found out that my mom is working with all COVID patients. I was just really moved by Cheryl's donation. And, um, you know, within a week or so, she had the masks. I felt so much better about her being able to be protected at work. And it really brought around... um, circle for me that Dynasty really does care about what's going on and our families. So um, made me even more appreciative of where I was working. Thanks for sharing. Alex, like to lighten the, the mood because we've been talking about some really heavy stuff so far, but I'm interested. Do you have any, any interesting or funny stories that have happened uh, during um, the past few months that you'd like to share? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing, it's its not so much a story, but just a really funny, I think, way to, uh, we're trying to teach our son without really actually doing anything. 
we got this Facebook Messenger kids for him on my wife's old phone, and it's basically teaching him to read. Like, he'll message my mom and my dad, and, like, we won't help him spell out words. He has to, like, figure out it figure it out on it, on his own. So he's just, like, sending emojis all day to people, you know, aunts and uncles. And, like, I just can't imagine being 1,300 miles away and getting, like, a winky smiley face from a six-year-old you haven't talked to in three months. Like, it's just it's just ridiculous but he is learning to read much better than at the start of the pandemic because he wants to know what people are saying to him and then uh one thing that he he's really into like costumes whether it be superheroes or doctors or construction workers um and he's figured out that people don't get mad when he shows up on zoom calls so every once in a while he'll show up in the background in like a chicken mask which is always very alarming for me um, but it's, it's funny because you, you see sides of your child, you know, the sense of humor, the, uh, almost like comedic timing. And you're just like, you're stressed in the moment, but then you look back and you're like, that was pretty good. I would have done that. Like, well, well done. So, uh, little things like that, uh, have been added a little bit of lightness, I guess. I love that. I love that. Jill, any stories that you'd like to share? Oh God. Um, well, I mean, I guess I can come up with a few. Um, we're trying to keep this clean, right? <laughs> well, I've had, um, <laughs> we, we, we did something fun this last week. So my six-year-old just turned six and we're like, what do we do? We can't have his friends over. Um, you know, what are we, what are we going to do? So it's hot. It's Florida. We rented a water slide. Um, we got the one that can hold adults too. It was awesome. Alex let me take some time off so I could spend the day with him. I went down it maybe the second time. The three-year-old ran out in front of me and I might have hurt my lip pretty bad. So that was the end of my day on there. But anyway, the kids had a blast. My husband was on it. My sister came over with her kids. They were on it. It was fun. Um, <laughs> what else has happened here so I don't think I've even told Alex this and it was embarrassing at the time and as I've told you you know we've gotten more comfortable with having the kids pop on the zoom screen well there was one day when little guy couldn't contain what he had in his diaper um and it was literally all over him and Alex was on the call and I'm like Alex um I just give me like two minutes okay <laughs> and I literally ran out of the room fixed the issue and was back on the call with Alex and apologetic but he was completely understanding um it was not funny at the time but I think it's kind of funny now nice I think some of you have heard me tell this story but <clears throat> one of my favorites um from <laughs> the past few months is that my son Keanu and I had downloaded snap chat filter on my Mac because we watched the video of the person in a company meeting who changed their head to a potato and then couldn't change it. So they had to do the whole meeting with the potato head filter on. So we thought that was really funny. Downloaded it and it didn't work on Zoom for Mac. So then I totally forgot that the filter was there. I was just like, oh, so bogus. I can't like show up to the dynasty team meeting with the potato head filter and I don't even know if that would be annoying or not, but I, that's what I wanted to do and it just didn't come to fruition. So I was kind of bummed about it. 
but we have a partner, a third-party partner that uses uh, a different uh, chat functionality. They use Google Chat. And so I show up to this very, it's supposed to be this very important negotiation with, you know, the the C-level executives on the phone and they're using Google Chat. And so I log into Google Chat. I'm getting ready and I'm like all fired up. I'm like, I'm going to drop the hammer on this one. And as I start to speak, I look at myself in the video and I, I looked like Edward from Twilight. There was, there was not a blemish on my face. My eyes were twinkling and I was like, what, what's going on? And then I looked at the bottom of my computer and I realized that the snap filter worked with Google chat and was on. And there was no way that I could get it off during this conversation. So I went through this whole conversation trying to be very serious with my Google chat filter on which when I turned my head and it moved outside of the immediate range of the camera, the entire screen turned yellow. Nobody said anything. Nobody gave me any looks. I just wonder if they're like, wow, this guy is, this is a unique dude. He's literally using a, a Snapchat perfection filter while having this conversation. So that was my story tip. Like, just be careful what you download on your computer um, because you never know when it might come into play. Last question for everybody. Let's start with Jill. What are you looking forward to the most once a vaccine has been identified and it's safe to go out and spend time? Uh, what, what would you like to do? I would love to go see some family. Um, you know, it's been a little bit harder to go and travel, of course. You know, our family is mostly in New York and we're in Florida. So um, the kids miss them. We miss them. That's one of the things. And then we've also been waiting for the perfect time to take them to Disney when, you know, they're at the right age and right about now would be pretty good. We're only about an hour and a half from there and we still haven't gone. So I would say family and taking the kids to Disney World. Cool. How about you, Alyssa? Yeah, for me, hands down traveling. My husband has some family in Europe and I was hoping that we might be able to make it over there again sooner rather than later. Um, so that's at the very top of my list. And just in general, there's so many things that part of my favorite thing about having kids or, you know, raising kids is seeing things through their eyes, showing them new things. And there's so much to show them outside of this house <laughs> that we haven't been able to experience for you know several months now and just even simple things taking them to go out and do and see new things just looking forward to that when it's a little bit more safe but traveling for sure great alex yeah i'm obviously traveling and kind of getting out and exploring is definitely one of them but you know one of the things that i love the most i think the way that i show people that i care about them is i love to cook so we'd have on the weekends we'd have these get-togethers 10 20 people make an elaborate kind of dinner kids hang out in the backyard and play on the swing set and we just kind of the adults kind of relax hang out either around the grill or you know maybe in, in the screen room and just you know, not really watch them, but be near enough that it's responsible. Um, you know, it's, we just, you know, we're social people, we like to host, and you don't really feel comfortable inviting. I mean, we've had maybe one couple over and sat in the backyard at a safe distance. And it's just, 
the energy is different. Um, so, you know, looking forward to hopefully there's some progress before the holidays and just, you know, hosting, having people in our home, um, you know, having a spread out on the counter uh, and just, you know, enjoying interacting with all the people you care about. Love it. Well, I want to thank all of you for, for joining me today. And uh, Jill, Alyssa, anything that you want to add that you didn't get a chance to talk about or that you wanted to talk about? I would say that Alex and his wife make some delicious food, and I miss being able to eat it when he brings it to the office. Ah, all right. Nice. All right. <laughs> Alex, you know, you and I before had talked a little bit about this concept of uh, a no weekend syndrome and that every day feels similar to the the next day because there really isn't that separation between the work week and the weekend and how perhaps things can bleed over into each other, which comes into this whole impact of psychology um, or potentially negative psychology on, on people. So I'd love to hear your your thoughts on on that and ways in which potentially people could combat that. Yeah, I think it's 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 partially because you've got this setup at your house now where, you know, in a second you can just, you know, hit your mouse, log in, and you have access to everything that you would have in the office. So, you know, once that separation's removed, everything that you put off piles up for that next quote unquote work day. And you don't have the same ability to kind of get away and go out to a restaurant or um, you know, go do something that is kind of weekend centric. You know, I was talking to uh, some colleagues about how just, oh, it's Friday night. You know, it's, it, it doesn't feel like special like it usually does, where you get that kind of that jolt of energy. Like, you know, uh, we can go out to a nice dinner. We can go see a movie. We can go to the beach. We can, you know, the, the ability to unwind and unplug and recharge, I think, is largely, uh, I guess, stripped away by the fact that you kind of responsibly uh, kind of isolating and staying apart. So you don't get that, uh, that refresh. So I think it's really important to be cognizant of that and find ways to kind of fill your cup on those weekends or even weeknights. So, you know, I've been, one of the things that I've been uh, thinking about a lot is the kind of opportunity cost. And you talk about, you know, type A's and people who've succeeded a lot. You know, a lot of times I wouldn't try things because a failure would be a waste of time. So I've done things like baked bread. I made limoncello. I've, I've made pickles because it doesn't matter if they're awful. I've got nothing better to do. So um, trying to reframe like the the lack of ability to get away and do your typical weekend stuff um, has has helped me. But it's it's really an interesting concept. With you know, people, a lot of people love working from home, but you know, I'm definitely available more hours. I'm definitely working more hours. Um, it's not like there's anything better to do, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how this evolves, not only in our industry, but in other industries where people are considering and companies are considering full-time remote or making work from home an option. Will we get more productivity over time and what will be the psychological impacts, if any? I love that because if you go a layer deeper, there's just like this beautiful concept of when you think about the days that you have, and how, particularly from an American convention standpoint, that we use the weekend, those two days, to recharge, which implies that the other five days of the week 
are drawing energy away from ourselves. And I know this is getting into like philosophical um, discussion, but it's important nonetheless, which is, is there a different way? Is there a way in which you can blend the tasks and activities that you have to do in order to be productive for your employer who is providing you with income that you use to, to live your life and at the same time find an integration with your life which would allow you to not look at the two days of the week, Saturday and Sunday, as the only days which you're allowing yourself to quote-unquote have fun or to allow yourself to enjoy life because I think sometimes that happens, right? I mean, you're, you're, I love what you said. And if you just go a little bit deeper, like I understand that there's always going to be a set of hours required to do the tasks that you need to do. But how can we not just construct a life which would allow us to only enjoy um, those two days? It, it's such a deep topic. And I, I get so concerned that you know, even when I look at my own life, am I doing enough to be able to enjoy the the time that I have with not only the work that we do, finding fulfillment in that, and being able to enjoy your clients and your colleagues, that's so important. And then also being able to, to have enough left over or have more left over for your family and friends so that you can have a truly full and fulfilled life. It's, it's such an interesting concept. And it's one that you see every day in financial services because you know anytime there there's money involved and anytime that that success can be equated to that i think that there are certain times where perhaps focus is on areas of life that are different than where they should be so you know there was an article in the new york times not too long ago that suggested an individual's commute to wherever their place of business is or um, from their home is a time for them to mentally prepare for the day and to do this kind of transition from your family and home life to the professional, um, the professional life, almost like a, a motivational or a pump up to get your mind right. And clearly, because of the new normal and most people working from home, that that's been eliminated. So um, I'm interested if uh, people have found that the lack of commute has impacted the way that they prepare for the day? I mean, I know that there's the counterpoint without having the commute, people can work longer hours or can get into work uh, mode more quickly because they just, you know, literally could roll out of their bed and then sit down on their couch. But I'm interested in whether or not that mental preparation uh, that may occur during commute um, has continued over and, and whether or not you see that impacting the way in which you get, it, get ready for the day. So why don't we start with, uh, with Alex? Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. And, you know, it's something that I've thought about because I probably have one of the longer commutes at, at Dynasty. I'm over on the Tampa side. It's about 45 minutes. And um, I'm very much not a morning person. So I would get up, I'd make my coffee, throw on a podcast, um, not a lot of traffic in the morning on the way over. And by the time I got to work, I was like wide awake and ready to go. Now I kind of roll out of bed, get my coffee and come to the computer. And I don't think, you know, while it's earlier than it would have been, I, I don't think I'm, I fully have my, my faculties the way that I do after the full commute. And it, it you know, probably takes 10 or 15 minutes to, to shake the cobwebs out. The other side of that coin is 
I've got basically hour and a half, call it almost two hours back um, that I can that I can repurpose to either work or putting together dinner, uh, time with my son. So while there were parts of the commute, definitely in the morning, definitely not in the afternoon, uh, that that I appreciated, you know, it's it's almost counterbalanced by the uh, the, the time gain. So I'm interested to hear you know, anybody's uh, rituals for kind of starting the day absent a commute, because that's something that I think would enhance my, my work from home experience. Great. Uh, Alyssa, any thoughts? Yeah, Alex, I miss this very much. Having my commute in the morning, um, making coffee at home just isn't the same. So sometimes if I can get out in the morning and just make a trip to get coffee outside of the house, go through the drive through come back home. That gives me that little start to the day, but then also being intentional about having those moments throughout the day where I can walk away from my computer and rather than sit here and eat my lunch at the kitchen table with my computer as easy as it is to do, and I find myself falling into that habit, to just walk outside, walk around the block, get some fresh air, get some sunshine. Luckily in Florida, you know, no shortage of that. But it's so important for me personally. That's that's what works for me. And it really allows me to reset and sort of have that that ramp up and also that wind down because pretty much from the point of dinner preparation of feeding everyone, getting them baths and ready for bed. I mean, that's a whole a race against the clock. So I need to really be intentional and thoughtful about forcing myself to take those little breaks in order to have the energy to keep going, really. Great. Alyssa, Alex, and Jill, I really, really appreciate it. You all did a phenomenal job. I think this one will be one that hopefully people find to be you know, insightful and, and hopefully one that they like to listen to. But I, I had I really enjoyed speaking with all of you and I'm glad that we get a chance to do this together because it helps me learn a little bit about each one of you. So thanks for coming on and thanks for being so open with what you shared. Yeah, this was great, Austin. It's nice to know that you've got this sultry, like late night drive time host voice. I didn't know it existed. It's my podcast voice. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and awesome. Great job, Austin. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Powering Independence podcast. As we discussed, this is an industry that is full of extremely successful people, type A uh, individuals. And in times like these, it's just a reminder that it's okay not to be perfect. It's an okay time to, to provide compassion for others, but also most importantly, compassion for yourself. Be grateful for the things that we have and uh, give yourself a break. I'd like to thank Alex, Jill, and Alyssa for joining me. And I also want to say a special thank you to Bill Siegman, uh, who helps to produce the podcast, and Josh Schutte and Nick Style from Team Dynasty uh, with help with distribution. Everyone stay safe and please wear a mask. <laughs>